So this morning, uh, we are turning now to um, a part of Paul, the Apostle Paul's letters. This morning to the uh, church in Thessalonica. One of the things that I've always a little bit still have a hard time getting my head around is that these letters from Paul, these words you will now hear, were actually written before the Gospels. Uh, we think of the story because of how we read it. We think of things like, well, first Matthew was written and then Mark was written and then... But actually, Paul's early letters, this one particularly, we think is most likely the earliest uh, record we have of what Paul had to say to this early church. Probably, and again, you know, scholars have uh, determined things, it was probably written between um, 48 and 52 A.D., um, Paul had been to this community, had helped found an early Christian church. He is, again, most likely writing this from the church in Corinth because he wants to write back, and I think this is so important to us this morning, he wants to write to this church and encourage them. It is a letter of encouragement. Hang with it. Stay tough. Be true to what um, you have been taught. This early church believed that Jesus was coming back very soon. Um, how we understand soon has changed over time, but he wanted them to like stay true, stay true until the time that Christ comes again. So these words you hear this morning, 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 5 verse 12 through 28 are the last words of this particular letter. And here we go. Paul writes this, but we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do this for you. Beloved, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I solemnly command you by the Lord that this letter be read to all of them. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, open these words. Ah, oh, written so long ago and yet new again and meaningful for our lives. Open us through the power of the Holy Spirit to your truth. Amen. Those words I just read, it, it seems to me like if we just followed them and nothing else in scripture, we would be a much better people, right? I mean, these words are so simple, not hard to understand, but hard to live by, 
hard to live by for sure. For, I was thinking of verse 14. It says, we urge you to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and then be patient. Be patient with everyone. And you're kind of like, oh, maybe just some people, God? No, it says be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to be good to one another and to all. Always seek to be good to one another and to all. And then there's these two incredibly short verses. Rejoice always. A whole verse, two words. Pray without ceasing. Again, three words. And then give thanks in all circumstances. Hmm. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want to offer a clarification on that last verse before we go any farther. What it says is, give thanks in all circumstances. It does not say, and you need to hear this clearly, it does not say, give thanks for all circumstances. That's important. We know that some circumstances are nothing to give thanks for. We know that some circumstances that we live in are caused by sinful and evil choices of human beings. That is not God's will. So we're not to give thanks for the evil of the world, but we're give, to give thanks in all circumstances because why? Because, like that simple book I read for the children, because in all circumstances we are never alone. We are never alone. God is always with us. I was thinking back to our Lenten study, and um, one of the videos with Reverend Adam Hamilton, he had a simple line, and he said, for us to remember that the worst thing that happens is not the last thing. Hmm. That there's hope. There's the next life, no matter what. So that's what we give thanks for. That's why we continue to give thanks. But now let's back up, because there is the three-word verse we're going to think about together this morning. And that is pray without ceasing. Hmm. Pray without ceasing. Now again, we need a clarification on what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we are to walk around all the time with our, well, you can't even do it. It's not possible to walk all around all the time with our heads bowed and our hands, you know, folded. And as we go through life, we pay no attention to what's going on around us because we're always offering up some sort of prayer to God. Oh, God, be with us today. And while I'm walking down the street and then I say the Lord's Prayer and then maybe I even offer like, now I lay me down to sleep, right? Those, that kind of prayer. That's ridiculous. We feel it, right? We know that would not be right because we know that scripture and life has already taught us this. That we are also instructed in scripture to like consider the lilies of the field. To take in the beauty of the world. To make note of the suffering of our neighbor. That's the whole point really of the parable of the good Samaritan. To take care of our bodies. To acknowledge the needs of others. So all of these draw our attention. They capture our attention as they should. So wait. How are we going to pray without ceasing then? If we're also supposed to be paying attention to all of this. 
how are we going to pull this off? Well, I got some help over these last couple of weeks from a reading from Sister Joan Chittister. Uh, Sister Joan is the uh, previous prioress of the Erie Benedictine Sisters. She is an internationally known speaker, a spiritual leader, and writer. I came across this reading about prayer and prayerfulness in a book called The Breath of the Soul. So listen and see if this might also help you with understanding what does it mean to pray without ceasing. In this particular passage, Sister Joan has called both gift and grace. Many of the prayers that we say have been passed down to us for generations. The Psalms, for instance, mark the cry of the human spirit across time. The scriptures tell us of peoples and prayers over 20 centuries before us. Prayers such as these in every culture carry the wisdom of the past to give us insights into the present. These prayers are important. They're a history of the unchanging human spirit. But they do not guarantee that those who say these prayers will ever be prayerful people. They tell us only that people pray. Prayerfulness, on the other hand, is the capacity to walk in touch with God through everything in life. It's the internal awareness that God is with me now, here, in this way, always. It's an awareness of the continuing presence of God. It's my dialogue with the living God who inhabits my world in spirit and in my mind. Prayerfulness sees God everywhere. Prayerfulness talks to God everywhere. Prayerfulness submits the uncertainties of the moment. Think about that. Prayerfulness submits the uncertainties of the moment to the scrutiny of the internal eye of God. It trusts that no matter how bad the situation can be, I can walk through it unharmed because God is with me. Prayerfulness is both gift and grace, both a natural disposition and a quality of the soul to be developed. But what develops it? How do we grow in it? Prayerfulness is fostered by the simple consciousness that God is. That God is near us at all times. That God is closer to us than the breath we breathe. That God is available, a silence in the midst of chaos. A voice in the midst of confusion. A promise at the center of the tumult. If I ask and I listen and I reach out and I fill my heart with the words of the one who is the word, capital W, then I will be answered. And somehow then my path will be clear. The words of Sister Joan. Prayerfulness sees God everywhere. Prayerfulness talks to God everywhere. I do believe that that's what Paul meant when he said, Prayer, pray without ceasing. Be aware of God's presence with us always. You know, when we move into um, 
always in, it's, it's a strange, it's honestly quite a strange part of worship when we say we're now going to move into joys and concerns, or we're now going to move into prayer, because honestly, we've been in prayer. We've been in prayer as we engage with God with us here this morning. But there are always specifics in our hearts and in our heads that we bring. And so we are going to do that in an intentional way. We will now offer up our joys and concerns.